Hi everyone, welcome to Freshwater Perspectives. Today we'll be talking about gray water, black water, and clean water, and knowing your water types. Thanks for listening. How you doing? I'm doing good, Riley. I don't have, I didn't really do a lot. I, I have to admit, since we last talked, uh, nope. my, Sorry. I will say, my birthday is coming up, so I'm sure Rachel has something planned. Um, birthday? Oh my gosh! How old um, are you? Like forty? I'll be, I'll be twenty-seven. 27. Which, yeah, I'm, I'm still a baby. I'm well aware. Still um, a baby. Yeah. Um, so I don't have much to update anyone there, but I said in the last podcast that I would do a little more research and inform our listeners the two subjects that I didn't do any research on when talking about dams. So the first thing we talked about is how do you build a dam? So yep. according to the British Dam Society, the six steps they have for building a dam include diverting the river, preparing the foundation for the dam, building the dam filling the reservoir, testing the valves and floodgates work, and monitoring the behavior of the newly built dam. So the biggest thing I think we talked about is diverting the river. And they, I mean, yeah, they just said sometimes, um, so sometimes dams are built across wide rivers with large volumes of flowing water. Uh, it would be impractical and too expensive to construct a separate channel to divert the water. Instead, a dry construction pit is formed on one side of the river, like you said, leaving the other side open for the water to flow through. The first portion of the dam is constructed in the dry pit. When it is finished, another dry area is formed on the other side of the river, and the oh. remaining part of the dam is built. Meanwhile, river flows through the openings in the completed portion of the dam, and the reservoir can start to be filled behind it. Uh, for smaller dams, they do say you can divert the river, but obviously, like we said, for huge like ones in canyons, they do like you said. I think you called it. They they build half the dam. Yep, one so, brick at a time. That's how yeah. they build it. Yeah, yeah okay. I guess you're you're you are an engineer at heart. Um, so good call there. <laughs> I think the other thing we talked about was the story behind. So there was the first dam. It kind of set a precedent in 1999. The federal government tore down a dam because they deemed that the benefits to the general public from a free-flowing system outweighed those by the actual dam so a little more backstory this was on the kennebec river um it was a 25 foot tall 917 foot wide edwards dam uh, it, it had been there for over 100 years um the let's see in 1997 the federal energy regulatory commission denied the dam's owners hydropower relicensing permit um just because they they already assumed or not assumed but they already the federal government already deemed that this site was kind of beyond disrepair so when the when the owners tried to then upgrade it they were like don't even bother man we're just gonna we we're kind of stepping in at this point almost taking eminent domain and just saying that this needs to be converted to a actual free-flowing system and they did do like a kind of an assessment and they determined the ecological economic and overall community benefits of the free-flowing river outweighed the benefit of a limited amount of a power hydropower production setup 
Community benefits, yep. Yeah. Pros and so, cons. There you, yeah. So okay. there you go. We can we can finally finally close, close that close that yeah. book on, on dams. Close the loop on dams. Okay. Yeah. Well, great job, Matt. I thought that was really interesting <laughs> and I think people are gonna really like that. Yeah. Yeah. Not what about you, Riley? What dry, have you, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> what have you been up to this past week? Not a lot, to be honest. The same with you. I um <laughs> just working. Um so <laughs> I I knowing though that this uh podcast was coming up right um i was like what can we talk about in the beginning and uh i thought maybe something that could fill the time quote unquote um before getting into the the, the meat of what we're going to talk about today was uh mention some a different article on fish water travel that i don't think was worthy enough of uh its own podcast here on freshwater mm-hmm. perspectives or episode i should say so uh one of them that i wrote as of recent please check it out is uh, our tardigrades immortal Mm-hmm. Little, little water uh, bears yep water bears or have you ever heard of this moss piglets no <laughs> <laughs> I, i'm gonna call them moss piglets from now on i love that name uh, dude, moss piglets they um, look nothing like bears know, so that's fine yeah tardigrades are microscopic organisms about uh at full adulthood like a, a meter millimeter and a half not a meter a millimeter and a half um eight-legged little microorganisms they have uh they're plump really plump and um you can find them in any areas mosses on lakes and lakes and ponds they they really do look like fat cuddly little bears that's where they get their names i guess not fully like a bear they got like a weird like um mouth and stuff but uh so long story short on this one is uh that the talk on this was like more so like um these tardigrades they can survive like 30 years or longer um with with like without water like frozen conditions oh. and then they can be like reanimated and it's like huh. the question is like how like so these extreme yeah. conditions they've, they've even brought tardigrades out into space or <laughs> well that article is weird it's either they brought them out into space or they exposed them to space-like conditions oh um, like zero <laughs> gravity and those like free-falling kind of planes yes, or yes, something yes okay. but um so like they survived high amounts of radiation like a mm. bunch of stuff, extreme pressure changes, temperature changes, drying, right? And the mm. question is, how do these little buggers do it? And mm. um, what they found was two things. So let me pan down here. Um, oh, fun, fun word coming up. So there's two different things. Um, it's anhydrobiosis, okay? okay? And without hydro water, bio life. So um, how do you live without water? Um, and this is like what they do. And then the other trait that tardigrades have is cryptobiosis, which is stopping a process to stop the internal metabolism of an organism. So like, how do you, huh. so in, for tardigrades to live or I guess go 30 years um, in like a animated state, how do they come back from that? And yeah. like, so like, yeah, right. And it's like, this is 30 years. It could be even longer. Like, that's just like one of the tests that they did. So mm-hmm. like, yeah, are they, are they immortal? <laughs> like yeah, they're not everyone. This is a fun name, but like why, how, how they go so long, these little guys, especially and, because they're not like, I mean, compared to like a human being, right. They're not a, they're not a complex organism, um, mm-hmm. but they're not a, like, they're not a single celled organism. You know, they're yeah. pretty complex mm-hmm. as far as like, a, yeah, like a little, a little, they look yeah. like a little animal, you know? Yep. 
So I'll, I'll go through this process, these two processes really um, quickly. And it's so um, first, like say th this onset of these like animated states, um, they happen because of an extreme event. So you might have drought or something or like extreme temperature. The tardigrades like, oh, I got to like clam up here. So mm -hmm. um, what they do is like, first off, they're going to like dehydrate themselves and like they form like a, a, a raisin basically like huh. they like a wrinkled ball called a turn mm. okay okay and a waxy cuticle is like put around their body okay to reduce water loss mm -hmm. and then next like internally uh these tardigrades go through some stuff so the the first is like how if you think of like cell function like how do you preserve your cell function for 30 years into the future mm -hmm. that's like the question and one of them is like um how how do you preserve protein function protein serves as like really important cell function so we're, that's all i'm going to say about that otherwise we could go through a whole rabbit hole um <laughs> so the they to preserve like their internal functions what happens inside of, like of a tardigrade's body is it um basically turns to glass okay and like it it, it hardens their body hardens those proteins into place hmm. so it could be used later down the line and there's um to help them do this is like a couple genes so the fun names trehalase gene okay um that helps with like that hardening and then there's tardigrade specific intrinsically disordered proteins tdps um that that helps maintain the structure and um when when you reanimate down the line like it's gonna help with that and so um that is kind of how they do it the very abridged version short version hmm. um but uh so are they immortal i already said it they're not yeah so, i mean i guess it depends on that. your definition of immortal i guess they uh -huh. can't live forever but they can survive i mean they can kind yeah. of yeah i they're essentially like pressing pause on themselves for a while pressing and, then coming pause, back and like if you think their life like life i don't know how long they live should have mm -hmm. had that but they're not living for a hundred years they're not like a human mm -hmm. right they're like yeah. this is microorganisms it's quick mm -hmm. um so like if you live for a month and then like go into this state for 30 years think about that like it's not like yeah it's that extra time is it's 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 spread out like so like yeah it's crazy um but in short, what scientists found was, no, they're not immortal. So it's just a fun title, everyone. Mm -hmm. But um, the reason why, though, like, why aren't they immortal is, like, another question. And it's it, it largely has to do with DNA. So DNA, um, even in our own bodies, like, they're, it, they can fall into disrepair. Like, that's how, like, cancers, for example, can start. And, like, you have, like, things in your body that monitor this DNA and make sure it's it's replicating correctly. But um, if you think of 30 years, then you have this DNA in the tardigrade's body that it's going to use down the line, like it, it, it's going to fall into disrepair. And there's a point in time where the DNA gets so degraded that um, the, the structures that um, tardigrades have in their body, and we do too, to read that DNA, um, it just can't read the DNA. So that's why. But I mean, if you could figure out a way to like preserve that DNA, like that immortality <laughs> like yeah. right so um, i mean i always remember yeah. i took a or not took i mean i was in a genetics class in i think grade school and the best way that uh that the teacher kind of explained 
the mistakes that not mistakes but yeah i mean essentially stuff makes mistakes right and then you have proteins that that correct those mistakes in, in gene replication um is if you take a photocopy of something and then keep photocopying it after a while mm. you, it's like not even close to the original image it's like the best yeah. way that they could have explained it is yeah. after a while you can only copy something so many times yes so um that's a little bit tardigrade in lieu of a um of a banter we are going to keep it at that all right, welcome back. In case you don't know how Freshwater Perspectives works, I am one of your co-hosts, Matt Glockfelter. We have our other co-host here, Riley Bewley. Hi. And what Riley and I like to do here is we like to switch off on topics every week. And today I'm taking a back seat and Riley is in charge today. So what are we talking about today, Riley? Yeah, so um, we're going to talk about gray water, black water, and clear, clean water or clear water, depending on who you ask. Uh, Matt, have you ever heard about any of these um, water divisions? I've heard of gray water okay. um, because my dad does a lot of work around the house and he uses the gray water term, of course, with like plumbing and stuff. Okay. I assume clear water is clear, clean water. I don't yep. think I've heard of black water before. so Well, we'll, we'll cover it. So okay. don't worry. I'm and, ready. Uh, yeah, so this has to do with water usage and reusage. So we'll talk about these classifications and more and kind of relate this to um, how water uses usage and uses um, stress aquatic ecosystems and um, how maybe these, these divisions and their, their subsequent uses can maybe um, help reduce those stress or alleviate them. So let's get started, okay? So let's do a little um, background, okay? So, you know, we use water as, as human beings. We, we, we have waters that we use for domestic purposes, agriculture, industry, and that usage. So if you're pulling it from a freshwater system, that, that, that isn't free to do, right? There's, there's an environmental and economic cost. So, um, you know, in some situations, if we take water from reservoirs, for example, that, that usage can reduce um, reservoir levels, even though that is a man-made thing in and of itself, as we talked about um, in Matt's um, prior episode. Um, you know, that, that can reduce, if you take too much water out, though, you know, that can reduce river flows, groundwater levels as well. That's not with a reservoir. That's Some people get their drinking water from groundwater. Some whole cities do, actually. But um, that can reduce groundwater levels. And if you take of a, a recent e event, so this is in 2022 that we're talking, Lake Mead, um, that is outside of Las Vegas, right? Uh, by ways of usage, drought, climate change, um, a variety of different factors, you know, it's at historic low levels, right? So like, even within a reservoir, like that water, um, it's not free to use, and there's only so much of it, right? So it's like, um, even if water isn't created or destroyed in a, that sense like you know it, um it's that usage it still can be an issue mm -hmm. right oh yeah lake especially Mead, when you're especially when you're talking about where that water from lake meat's going right mm -hmm. in those huge municipalities that are or huge cities right that are only getting bigger and bigger and bigger every year yeah. and especially when you're talking about building a city in a desert but you know that's yeah, neither no. here nor there and um <laughs> so with that water usage too, like that, that diversion of flow is, is going to affect aquatic habitats downstream. Some things, bugs, for example, like aquatic bugs that feed fish and, you know, work your way up the food chain that, that needs a stable flow of water to survive, get their food. Um, and if there's no water in an area, like you're not going to have aquatic 
life so like there needs to be at least some flow going through there and uh, that might seem a little silly but yeah um there are situations where you know downstream of this usage you you can have like areas drying up or not having um it, it could be called like an intermittent stream like there's only certain mm -hmm. parts of the year that that stream flows um if that's a, a human usage taking it away like that can be that can be big for aquatic habitat so um water usage is a big deal and it's um getting worse in some situations unfortunately um so that's in, like an, the environmental cost but there's also an economic cost to taking out your water so if you think of think of a, a river system okay uh i like to think of the mississippi um you think of like all those hundreds if not thousands of cities all the way down from minnesota to um new orleans like there, there's a city that gets their water and then you know puts water back in by way mm -hmm. of hopefully clean effluent but every single city's doing that like yeah but anyways digression but um so when you take water from a system you know you there's there's the economic costs of pumping electricity um, drinking water um, can require filtration chemicals personnel costs like water usage comes at a cost okay at least to get it to a standard that should be safe for drinking um yeah and everything needs to be checked and monitored and yeah just money 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 like it's crazy and um so this this cost is it, it's it's can be even within municipalities so like taxes for example and i wanted to mention i think a couple episodes i said like yeah like um i don't exactly remember what we were talking about but it was related to water usage and how that's you know given to the taxpayers mm -hmm. but in some situations you as like a homeowner like we'll have a water bill so it mm -hmm. is dependent on how much you're using I, I haven't had to have a water bill in my life because i've been renting so that, pa <laughs> yeah, that was passed true. on to someone else so like yeah. i think that's why i kind of let that slip in that episode i was like mm -hmm. duh like um but anyways water yeah they don't it's not free that's the point of it <laughs> and um even when you're drawing water from an area um costs can be associated with how clean that water is that source water it's mm -hmm. called so one study um that looked at it was they 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 figured out the cost um and relayed that turbidity to, to turbidity in the water so for every one percent decrease in your intake water the turbidity level for every one percent decrease that mm -hmm. was equivalent to one thousand one hundred and twenty three dollars in savings wow not a so not like... a lot right but like if you if you extrapolate that out to all of your drinking water like facilities in the the world and mm -hmm. then like that's just one percent like what if you turned it down by like 30 percent? like that's some you know 30k is a good chunk of change just because of your source water yeah wow yeah. so intake requires money just as much um money goes if not more um i'm not technically sure but uh is the usage so human usage you know you use it to flush your toilet um, for example, that needs to be cleaned, theoretically should be cleaned before it goes back into a freshwater system in this situation. So um, municipalities have wastewater systems that clean your water, or you have septic systems that um, cleans that water and um, brings it back into the groundwater clean, um, mm -hmm. hopefully. So there's that cost of before it goes back into a natural environment, it needs to be clean and very significant costs so for example researchers found 
um, average facility costs, like a wastewater facility to run for a year, um, that is per, that is cleaning a, a million gallons of sewage a day is $87,000. That's like operational costs. Per day? Um, $87,000 per year okay. for 1 million gallons of sewage a day. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Yes. No, so no, however, that makes sense. whatever, three hundred sixty-five. Yeah, or dollars. like per month or something. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, um, eighty-seven. That's you know, in the grand scheme of things, not much. But that's like, that's like your mom and pop town. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? So, uh, what do you think New York City spends on treatment costs? And first off. How many gallons of sewage per day do you think New York City is producing? Oh Lord, I'm so bad at these at these guessing games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how many gallons per day? If I can do some, I can't even do simple math because I don't even know how many people live in New York City. Like the flushable toilets, like what three gallons? And then oh, no, I don't know. Don't go, dude. Just give me give me a number. <laughs> I'm gonna say like a million gallons a day. I don't know. Um. Mm -hmm. Billion, 1.3 billion a gallons billion? of sewage a day. My numbers are correct, everyone. It billion, so that that oh. it, it extrapolates out to like New York City alone um, is it would be a hundred and thirteen million dollars in wastewater treatment costs. Okay. Oh Lord. Mm -hmm. Sludge factory, <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Holy cow. So that is a good highlight of. Um, it costs money and environmental impacts when you take water out of a system and to put it back into a system. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in, wow. in, in the United States, like most situ, most, most States, um, will you, you clean that water, you get it up to a certain standard in which case it's like drinking water standard. And that's like what you use in many situations for like your everyday life, right? So mm -hmm. um, the the water I shower with is as clean as like what I drink with. Oh, that's not the best example. The water I use to water my garden, for example, mm -hmm. is, is drink in a city is drinking water standard, right? Mm -hmm. And um, that that needs to be used, clean, and then like, yeah, it needs to be cleaned. Everything needs to be cleaned like that on the, the, the back end before it goes into an aquatic system. And uh, the, so there, there's questions or a thought process of, you know, there's there's differences in water depending on how it's used, in, especially in a household, that um, maybe this process of cleaning everything to a certain standard for every type of usage, like maybe it doesn't need to be that clean. And that sounds weird, but let me, we're, we're going to parse that out, right? Because, mm -hmm. yeah, you, you definitely the water you drink. You, it needs to be to a drinking water standard, like mm -hmm. flat out. But um, yeah. does the water that you use in your garden, does that need to be to drinking water standard? Yeah, that's, I don't yeah. want to get off on another tangent here, yeah. but actually, so I'm taking an electrified water chemistry course right now. And Jeez. a huge part of we talked about was water treatment. Yeah. And one of the, so there's a goal, there's like a, a, a global panel right now. So the goal is, I don't, I don't remember the year they set, but the goal is to have an instrument the size of a dishwasher that essentially all of the water that you use in the house will just be like recycled. So there'd be like an allotment of water 
that you use inside your house, depending on like the number of people you have and stuff like that, huh. and the appliances you have. Look at that. And like every night you turn on your little water purification system and it purifies all your water and then it's good to go. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so this ties into that. That's, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, but like, if you think about that, like the water that you use to wash your hands, mm-hmm. take a shower with, for example, maybe that could be used for a different purpose before hitting that wastewater treatment system that needs to be treated like the the water that you use to flush the toilet after you use mm-hmm. the bathroom, right? So mm-hmm. there's, there's, there's divisions. And what are we talking about that today? There's there's divisions of water depending on how it's used. Um, and that can be broken down into clear or clean, depending on what part of the world you are, gray water, as well as black water. So we're going to be talking about those three different divisions, really focusing in on gray water and how it can be used for other purposes, diverting that, um, that water, maybe using it for a second time before mm-hmm. having to spend those energy and environmental costs. So Make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Okay, we'll keep on going. So uh, cool. we're going we're gonna to take the low-hanging fruit first. So um, what is clean water? I think you all guessed it. It is um, water that if you come into contact with it, it's not going to harm you. Okay? Um, it should be, especially in the United States, there's certain standards that um, you have to get your water to. And um, so you should feel comfortable drinking the water out of your tap. And I, I should say that, you know, and I don't want to like give people fear, but there is that nuance that like, don't implicitly think that all water out of a tap because it's coming out of a tap. It therefore is clean that, that nest not, isn't, that isn't the case always. So be mm-hmm. wary. And I, in some cities and States, like they'll give you like an update on what your um, water quality is like. Um, I think some legally have to give you that like per year, like what your, mm-hmm your waters are reading out, at least in Wisconsin, where I was in lacrosse, they for sure did. Mm-hmm. You got like a report. But um, especially when you're in like well water, for example, too, like um, really having an idea of like what your water quality is at is, is huge. So just don't implicitly assume if it's coming out of the, the tap, it's safe. There's a nuance, right? Don't don't go crazy thinking about all this, but um, definitely just bear that in mind, right? Um, so that's that's clean water though. It's 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 clean. It's drinking water standard. It's ready to go. Um, in the United States, that's you know, once that is hitting your 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 tap, it you can drink it, or you use it. You shower, right? Mm-hmm. Cool, 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 cool. Okay, the next one then. So once that clean water is used for domestic purposes, for example, um, it becomes either two things: gray water or black water. So we're gonna cover gray water first and focus a little bit of time on here. And gray water is domestically used water without fecal contamination. Oh, I like like the definition. I was going to ask about that too, but no, I like that. Fecal contamination, major toxins, major pathogens. Like if it's devoid of that, it becomes gray water. And this could be from, so if you think of where fecal contamination can happen, you know, basically water, not from toilets. Or um, if you think of major pathogens too, like kitchen sinks, perhaps is a little more uh more pathogens yeah i'm thinking like raw meat right that you're washing your sink um whereas if you're just washing your hands in your your um bathroom uh less less pathogens there within a domestic household um research has found that about 50 to 80 percent of the water used can be considered 
that that is used can be considered gray water and could be reused for other situations or purposes so um 40 percent of the gray water so out of that 58 to 80 percent um, of that gray water that's created about 40 percent of that is estimated to come from showers and other like bathroom sinks um, 27% from kitchens in some situations and laundry and washing of clothes, another 26%. So there's, um, different chunks for sure, um, that, that can make up gray water. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. So how to use gray water and that, so gray water can be reused for some tasks and not all tasks. So you can't use gray water to drink, right? But maybe you can use that water to flush your toilet right like why does your toilet water need to be of drinking water standard you know or yeah perhaps it can be used for um irrigating your 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 lawn your garden um so yeah 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 yeah. so gray water reduces both uh energy so if you think of this gray water um you have a storage tank and we'll cover mm -hmm. that in a second but uh that's reducing the water that needs to be up to drinking water standard and reducing the amount of water going or hitting your wastewater treatment plant. Mm. So that reuse is both mm -hmm. environmentally friendly as well as economically friendly mm -hmm. um, and, and reduces both stressors on the front and back end. So that's why people are really um, advocating for gray water. Okay. I like that. Especially, yeah. Lightening the load on your water treatment plant mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, of course, the first thing that always jumps out is the infrastructure required for this. So you yes. just said like a storage tank? I'm getting into that next. Oh, okay. Perfect. Yes, perfect. yes, yes, yes. So um, you have clean water that's used mm -hmm. that needs to be collected in some way. Mm -hmm. And this really requires some forethought into how gray water in your situation. So it's really adaptable. How is that, how is that going to be used? Okay. So... Um, say your gray water in your situation is coming from a sink you know you're washing your hands you can have a storage tank under your your sink that maybe if you think of like a bathroom like you have your your bathroom sink and then that it could be piping or plumbing from your sink to your your um toilet tank toilet tank so like once you flush it could just be a direct little yeah. loop connection Others people can have it, um, you know, like as earthen chambers, like under your house that could be used and maybe that will be diverted to your garden or to irrigate your lawn. Okay. Mm -hmm. So um, a lot of people talk about like drip irrigation. Um, so it's like not, you don't have like a, <laughs> a lawn sprayer spraying out like not the cleanest water right mm -hmm. so you still have to bear that in mind it's not the cleanest water so you don't want to like aerosoling the, the like the wind mm -hmm. but like if you had it dripping out um throughout your garden you know that that could be of some benefit for sure mm -hmm. okay yeah i kind of i like this setup already because it can yeah. be as simple or sophisticated as you as you would like yes yes so uh really want to stress that gray water is still of a different subcategory than clean water it's not black water which we'll talk about um but it's not clean so like you still have to like bear in mind that there's organics possible pathogens uh you know human byproducts like hair saliva skin sloughing um all that fun stuff can be in gray water so so no more drinking out of the garden hose is what you're saying yeah, not in this situation it'd be pretty nasty 
and then like two if you if you need like a better way to like picture gray water in your mind for us um, the listeners of the podcast um, we also uh, videotape the podcast and if you like it on youtube you can see our faces um as an aside but uh, <laughs> it's so um think of like if you if you've ever had the the benefit of mopping a floor right and like you start with clean water and then like you end up and it's just like this gray water that that muck like that that when you look up photos of gray water that's it that's gray water like yeah that's the best way to describe it it is gray period water period it's a a pretty good mental image that yeah don't drink that so in some situations like to get that gray water to a certain usable standard there's there's ways that um it needs to be treated quote-unquote treated not fully like a wastewater treatment plant but it, it uses those um those pathways those processes so um, it it can be called source separation for example and there's a number of different ways i'm going to briefly cover them because they are interesting and again a lot of this is used in wastewater treatment plants just more on a larger more thorough scale if i can say that but like um so there's many different ways that water is treated everyone and we'll for sure 100 percent going to be doing um a different episode on this specifically but there there's ways to get rid of solids in your water um so that could be like through coagulation of flocculation what that looks like is um there's there's stuff in the water it could be like alum am i saying that right a alum 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 because it's like it's aluminum sulfate yes so um it it's it's particles that people or additives that uh you can add into your water and that will bind to unwanted particles in the water column and either bring it to the coagulator they'll all combine together and they'll either go to the top of the water you can skim it off or it'll drop down to the bottom and you can like take out that sludge it's just removing particles from the water so that's one way of doing things to clean your gray water in this example you can also have filtration like reverse osmosis or um, having different sets of like silt screens for example and that that drops out different um, particle sizes from your water and it can be really really like reverse osmosis that gets out a lot of stuff depending on what you're looking to get out of so you can get i don't want to say anything right viruses super small but it, it does get out a lot of stuff which would be helpful in this gray water situation mm-hmm. and then you could also have like um bioreactors so bacterial breakdown and that processes mm-hmm. is starting to happen um you know digestion anaerobic aerobic digestion that that stuff is really happening in your wastewater treatment plants um and just as an aside to uh I, i've been to a couple of these like drinking water and like wastewater conferences and like if people are new to like the aquatic field and looking at ways to be like hey i'm interested in this and like what are what are some nice career avenues uh drinking water and wastewater treatment plants are like primo jobs in the sense that like they're always going to be there you're doing a huge community benefit and it really does involve some pretty interesting science applied science like how am i going to treat this water so my community is going to have good drinking water or on the flip back side like how do i preserve this environment by not having effluent which is a huge issue um so there's a lot of jobs and from what i remember in some of those conferences it's like an aging population of like the average um utility operator is getting it's getting older so like there there needs to be another generation that's going to take over this um 
vital, really vital duty um, in society. Yeah, just based off of the um, utility workers that or utility sites that we work with, um, there's not a ton of new people um, that they've brought on recently. Um, so yeah, it, it seems like there's kind of a generation gap, at least right now, at least with the utilities that we work with. Um, yes. So. Yeah. And it's like, like education wise, I'm not sure what the hurdle is to like get your operator's license. I don't know if that requires a four-year degree or maybe an associate's degree. I know there's continued education, but that is to say, my point is it's, it's, they're well-paying jobs that might, you might not have to get a full four-year education for don't quote me on that everyone but like um it's still that idea of like there's um we've talked about this before there's many different avenues and the water field is huge and like mm -hmm. that wastewater treatment drinking water treatment plants it's a an ecosystem in of its own like there that's a whole industry that's so vital and um it's really really good jobs and if you think of like every in the united states every city needs the front end and the back end of these processes so like there's jobs and they're they're good so i digress back to gray water okay um so there, there's ways to treat it if you need to treat it you need to store it okay and then there are some countries that allow this so this in some situations is it's kind of theoretical or still being tested out um for sure in the united states but let's cover so european and also um australia are some prime examples of where gray water is used um so like australia uses like house collected gray water that can be reused for what we talked about watering mm -hmm. lawns gardens and as well as toilet flushing so it's pretty much a norm there from what i've been reading hmm. never been to australia someone invite me and i'll go but um yeah there it's used there quite a bit in the united states it's it's still being considered so like gray water in the United States and many states is it's wastewater. Okay. There's mm -hmm. no, these, these subdivisions, you got drinking water, you got wastewater. What's coming into the house, clean out of the house, not clean for reuse, but some areas like, Oh, here's a list for you. California, Arizona, Connecticut, Colorado, Montana, New Mexico, Oregon, Texas, Washington, Wyoming are starting to parse out this usage of these different divisions of water quality. Okay. And I think a lot of what those states have in common, Riley, is they are having water quantity issues. Hmm. You know, I didn't so, even think about that, right? I and, think uh, that's the common thread is they're yeah. using a lot of water, <laughs> so they need to figure out ways to reuse it. Yes, 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 yes. And so let's take Utah for an example. Uh, the Utah Water Quality Board in 2004 has started to allow gray waters from showers, sinks, washing machines for like drip, drip irrigation, very clear mm -hmm. on drip irrigation uh water from toilets kitchen sinks and dishwashers it's still legal to use in that situation hmm. okay so hmm. it's it's starting to be looked at and and very well could become a norm in in the united states um perhaps in the near future so interesting right yeah i i can definitely see so i understand the reason for not wanting to do it because yes. it's very simple if you have enough water. So we are very fortunate here in the Southeast, except for some parts, especially right now, um, that we have a ton of water. There's an excess of water in a lot of parts of the Southeast. Um, so we don't have to worry about saving water as much. Um, 
where it's just easy to say, you know what, whatever goes in the house is clean, whatever comes out of the house is dirty, we'll treat it all the same, we'll deal with it later. Whereas if you are dealing with a little more nuance and you're saying, all right, well, this water you can use for this, this water you can use for that, you are potentially opening up the avenue for, yeah, like human health concerns, especially yeah. if you're talking about irrigation and stuff for like your garden and things like that. And if you aren't dealing with those, you know, vegetables or produce that you're growing, um, yeah, that can, that can lead to some issues. Um, but I am sure. all for, um, yeah, trying to use water more, like, you know, more efficiently, right? Yeah, I'm thinking like, especially, especially urinals, and like flushing of toilets that's the thing is you always no brainer yeah i mean you always see on the back of the toilet it's like what like yeah it's like three and a half gallons or something some huge number like that per flush it's a big number yeah um so yeah like yeah right so like Mm -hmm. yeah think of how many three if you'd save you know how many times you go to the bathroom in a day and like you know if that that was diverted gray water that that adds up right oh yeah if it's still cleaned in the same way as wastewater is you know it why why not have a um have a storage area for example where you have this and, and use it and in some countries too um, when i was talking about countries another thing that i want to bring up was that like there are this is like a nuanced thing like we talked about like like gray mm-hmm. water it can be it could have a lot of pathogens in it or it could have a little amount and like so mm-hmm. they, there is some ways to um you know govern that system and so like they're they're for example i think in some european countries there's only like a holding time of so many days until that gray water has to be released oh okay you know i saying? like that i like and that then like yeah some do require that um you know, like a filtration process for that's it. what i was gonna ask like could there just be simple as like a rudimentary kind of brita filter just kind of could as be. like an intermediate just get like anything that could be harmful out if that you right. know yeah you just go in replace it like once every three months kind of thing i'm yeah for sure like the full removal and like sanitation of like i think it's like that's a system that does it it's like okay I, like a box and it like the bottom just goes whoosh like you know every yeah. three three months for example mm-hmm. and then like i don't know, steam clean out the middle or something like yeah. like a dishwasher right and then yeah. um and i didn't look that up too much so i'd love someone from a european country mm-hmm. to for sure tell me uh, how they use gray water because i think that's super interesting uh, i would can for sure consider using 100%. it if i was um in one of those states and it could be again could be the norm in the future uh yeah. but okay so to close the loop here um a couple more sections so last thing that we're going to talk about is for grouping water quality grouping in this situation is black water and i think you can guess what black water is right it's um urine fecal contaminated water high levels of bacteria organic matter think of a toilet right best example yep. um you don't want to drink that until it's been cleaned <laughs> yep so um yeah that's that's black water but like okay so let's let's go in this a little bit delve into it a little bit more um you know dishwashers in some situations kitchen water like we talked about if you raw meat for example Mm-hmm. Um, it could have high amounts of grease, and you wouldn't want to use it as well. Oh, um, yeah, that can accumulate during that. the the cooking process. Um, just just so we're all clear, uh, human effluent is no joke. Okay, um, that cleaning of wastewater, as we talked about, these you know wastewater treatment operators. You, it, it, I'm sure it's on like 
that one show dirty jobs right but like oh yeah he yeah he's yeah. I, it's like one of the first seasons he's down i think in like san francisco in the sewer system yeah, yeah it's no joke yeah so you know diseases e coli shigella typhoid fever salmonella um cholera can all be related to sewage just to name a few so like um don't don't mess around right if you're gonna do the gray water thing follow those rules okay and um and that th there's reasons why those that i think governments are still kind of deciding how it's going to be done just to help protect human human health and safety mm -hmm. and um yeah so that's that's so okay a, a conclusion let's uh say say you're in one of these states if you're listening in the united states you're like how how what are the steps needed to um you know get get started cool mm -hmm. so um that's what i want to leave you guys off with um, first step, and I didn't write this down, but I'm going to say it, um, consult your, your local ordinances. Okay. So for sure, there's, there's ways that people want to see this done. Governments want to see this done. Don't listen to me. Follow, follow them. Okay. <laughs> please, 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 please. Like there's, there's reasons why those are put in place. That's all abide. Um, anyways. So, um, if you, if you, you are in an area that you got great water though, you know, start, thinking about it uh from what i've been reading it does definitely seems like it can be tailored to your situation and a kind of like adaptable systems so um you know maybe you want to collect water from um your your showers or a certain sink maybe i'm thinking like a like a mudroom sink for example i don't know if the mudroom is something that mm -hmm. you used on the east coast it's like yeah, yeah depending like on the a, house a yeah. garage sink you yeah. know what i'm saying um and then yeah, so you're going to need a way to collect. So it could be, you know, as simple as a, something under your, your your sink that it drains into, and then you have piping to your, your toilet. And that's how you use your gray water system. That's great. Um, so, okay, well, I went a little, so step two is incorporate that plumbing. So how's it going to be transported? Do you need a pump to get it from one place to the other? Or do you need to, you know, do piping or plumbing to to get it outside to your garden um, something you need to think about as well within that plumbing and kind of infrastructure we'll call it um, do you need do you need disinfection process do you need that like reverse osmosis filter could be expensive i'm assuming it's not without some costs right um mm -hmm. i didn't delve into that too much because we could be here all night especially with that stuff um so step three is use the gray water. So congratulations, you got your process in place. Use it. Um, flush gardens, irrigate, um, <laughs> flush gardens, irrigate gardens, flush toilets, um, etc. whatever you want. Uh, world's your oyster. Step four, uh, system maintenance. So again, I'm not from these areas where these, these ordinances are put in place in the United States, but um, definitely when looking at it kind of like that year, type of when they talk about this process you know knowing that there's a certain holding times for example um, knowing that gray water isn't infallible to uh, disease you gotta bear that in mind system maintenance clean out everything after step four we have one more bonus step Matt and Ooh. that is if you're going to use gray water keep in mind what you're putting down your sink in the first place okay yep makes sense I think so that human pathogens right but like so there's can be other different things too so like commercial cleaners um that are not oh, biodegradable yeah. mm -hmm. like if you're going to garden with gray water irrigate your garden with gray water you know you don't want excessive salts 
um, mm-hmm. or those other effluents. So, for example, gray cleaner, drain cleaner is great for cleaning drains, uh, perhaps going to wreak havoc on your garden. So, yeah, pretty terrible yep. for just about anything else. Yeah, yeah, yep. So, uh, hopefully, when, when hearing this, you now know a little bit more about clean, black, gray water. And just, you know, the overall importance of water usage in general. So the take-homes for sure, especially with gray water, is using it to reduce intakes, reduce the amount you have to clean um, to put back in the river. Uh, that will help freshwater ecosystems overall. And uh, do it cautiously, follow the rules, and uh, I really hope that people use this because I would love to. So I'm going to leave it at that. Yeah, I, I like it. Um, I like the idea. I think the biggest hurdle, as with anything, right, is it's always the cost, the cost of startup, the infrastructure. How yeah. simple is it? How complicated can it be? Um, yes. But, yeah, if you're just talking about, yeah, you have that sink in your garage or in your laundry room that you really only use to wash your hands or something, and if you just want to, yeah, just get a bucket or something under there and carry that bucket and just throw it in your garden. That's something, right? That's, yeah. That's better than nothing. So mm-hmm. I like yeah. it. For sure. Yeah, man. And um, I think we'll leave it at that. Cool. Nice job, Riley. Yeah, thanks, Matt. All right, everybody. Thanks for uh, listening in and tuning in with us. Uh, Again, this is Freshwater Perspectives. If you enjoyed this article, we also have more articles on this topic at fishwaterandtravel.com. We're found on all of your favorite social media accounts like Instagram, Facebook. We also have a YouTube account all under the same name. Again, we kind of try to bring different topics um, related to fresh water. So in this case, we talked about different forms of water quality. Uh, the next episodes in our cat back catalog also have you know different topics. So um, if this wasn't your fancy, we might have something that um, may interest you. So again, thanks for listening and uh, hope you enjoy. Mm-hmm.